Hello and welcome to Keeping It Real, where we're going to dive into the mysterious world of plastic surgery. My name's Alex and each episode I'm sitting down with the respected surgeons Dr Richard Bloom and Dr Kim Taylor from Replastic Surgery and we're going to ask all the hard questions that you want the answers to. Moist and not coming in saying I want to look like Posh Spice or Pamela Anderson. And so it can be quite life-changing for them and um, we see improvements in their self-esteem, their confidence. If someone's had good work done, then no, I don't, I don't believe it is obvious. If you're having a breast augmentation, you know, you don't want to be going to the plastic surgeon who does road trauma. The 360 body lift is the craze at the moment. Hashtag LBL, lower body lift, can be seen quite a lot on social media these days, which leads us to the question of what actually is it and who is it suitable for and does it make a big difference? Dr. Richard Bloom and Dr. Kim Taylor from Replastic Surgery are here today to talk us through the lower body lift. Hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. So I guess to begin with, what is a lower body lift? So a lower body lift, it has a few different names. So uh, also known as a belt lipectomy or a circumferential abdominoplasty or a 360 tummy tuck. So essentially what that is, is a tummy tuck that goes all the way around. And so what that means is, is that in a patient that has more than just loose skin on the front of their body. So in particular, um, patients that have lost significant amounts of weight often have a lot of loose skin on um, their hips or so over the um, outside part of their bodies on their lateral thighs and often at the in their buttock area so that their their bum can sometimes be a bit droopy um, or they've got loose skin in their lower back. So that's when a tummy tuck or an abdominoplasty on its own is certainly not going to be sufficient to get rid of all that loose skin. So if you're a patient and you're kind of like, oh gosh, I don't know if I need a tummy tuck or a lower body lift. And essentially, if you can kind of grab the outside of your hips or the outside of your thighs as if they were like a pair of stockings or a pair of tights that you're pulling up and it feels like there's a lot of loose skin, um, this is when I wish that you know, people could see a video of what I'm, actions that I'm doing. Um, that if you, you've got quite a bit of loose skin on the side there that you feel like you could pull up, then it's quite possible that you would be a candidate for the operation that goes all the way around. And what that ends up doing is contouring the outside of the body as well, um, the lateral thighs, and, and also um, gets generally a a bum lift or gets rid of some of that looseness on the back part of the body as well. And the scar that someone is left with from a tummy tuck sits low in the pubic region anteriorly and goes from hip to hip or just beyond each hip bone on each side, whereas this scar then joins that up all the way around the, the back um, at the top of the buttocks. Right. So there's more involved. So obviously you're going to have a little bit more scarring. Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the scar goes all the way around. There's a, there's a few occasions where we would not join it up right in the middle of the back, but generally um, it goes like absolutely you get a pen and do it 
in a circle around the body and it goes all the way around. Um, and that also means that when we do the surgery, we have to reposition patients because for a tummy tuck or abdominoplasty, patients just lie on their back when they're asleep and we can access the front part of their body. But for the lower body lift, we um, to access the back part, once they're actually being put off to sleep, we turn the patient once they're asleep and we do the back part of the operation first stitch all that up and then whilst they're still asleep, turn them back over and then do the the front or the tummy tuck part of that procedure. So it's quite a lot more involved and takes nearly nearly double the amount of time really than what a standard tummy tuck would take. And so how many hours is that roughly? Probably around five hours, um, would d- depending if they're having – um, other things like liposuction or any other um, parts of the surgery. But, yeah, I would say generally around about five hours for that procedure. And what is the benefit of getting it all done in the same operation? Theoretically, you could do the back lift separate to the tummy tuck. But uh, as we see with a lot of these surgeries, patients want to have one trip to theatre, one recovery period, one anaesthetic. So the, and, and, and they're so complementary anyway that it makes sense to do them all at the one time. Uh, it would be only a very few occasions and it's usually not, uh, it's usually where I've done a tummy tuck and then someone has come back and then said, actually, I like that so much now I want my back done as well. Uh, it would be very uncommon that I say, in fact, I don't think it's ever happened where I've said, no, look, you need a body lift. And they say, no, nah, I'll just have a tummy tuck. And then they come back and just have the back lift done. It's, it's usually, um, it's not something they've thought about. Um, and they and it's more that they needed a back lift rather than just the loose skin on the sides that uh, Kim was mentioning. So the only other time that I think that I've done a back lift on its own is if someone had had surgery elsewhere. And so they'd, they'd just had a more limited procedure or just had the anterior part done either because the surgeon didn't think they need it or they you know didn't have the skills to do that full procedure maybe um and so the patient is come to us because they're unhappy with their ultimate outcome so you know if someone really needs a lower body lift and is adamant that they don't want that surgery, that they only want a tummy tuck, then I probably wouldn't operate on them because they're not going to get the outcome that they want. They'll be flat at the front um, and they'll be loose and full on the sides. So it's it's kind of not a patient decision type of discussion between, you know, do do I want a body lift or do I want a tummy tuck it's more what procedure is the right operation for you and then that's what we would recommend and you know we don't expect patients to know the answer to that question and sometimes they might come in and go you know like I really think that I need a body lift and we might say well actually I think you know you'll be fine with it you'll do really really well with a tummy tuck or maybe that they've never even heard of a, a body lift and they come and think they just need a tummy tuck and we'll be like look you know you're going to get a really poor outcome if you don't have the full thing um, and sometimes you know people don't always when they're not expecting that they don't always um, you know it can come as a bit of a shock if we're saying well actually you need you know, not quite twice the operation, but you need a lot more. And it, it, it's a, it, it is a scar that goes all the way around, even though it's well hidden. And, um, you know, someone has to 
accept that that is, you know, we're the experts and in our experience to get them the best result, that's what we're recommending um, for them to get the outcome that they need. The clothing and, and bathers and things that would cover a tummy tuck scar still also cover a, a body lift scar. So I don't, I don't see the scar as, as a, a big an issue in, in converting one to the other because you, you're generally trading contour for a slightly longer scar, which is hidden in the same way that the tummy tuck scar is hidden. The other thing that it does, which I think is very, very beneficial, is being able to contour that lower back region. So people talk a lot about the Brazilian butt lift and we've talked about it and the dangers associated with uh, fat grafting. But when you're doing a lower body lift, um, because you can really remove a lot of that fat above the buttock, it actually makes the buttock relatively look more shapely. So women also love that. Given the amount that it involves and how long it goes for, is there an extended recovery period or is is there any extra risk involved? Uh, I think the recovery is actually very similar. The, the main recovery is, I think, for the tummy. So patients feel a bit um, they feel a bit bent at the hips. They can't stand up straight. So that's the same whether you're doing a tummy tuck or a, a, a lower body lift. So I think that's the thing that limits the recovery. In terms of wounds, even though it's a longer wound, it doesn't take longer to heal because wounds just heal from side to side, not lengthways, not along the scar. So a five-centimetre scar heals in exactly the same amount of time as a two-centimetre scar. Uh, so I don't think it, it it takes longer to recover. In terms of risks, again, they're very they'd be very similar. Um, it's mainly you know wound things, bleeding, seromas, uh, infection. But uh, even though it's a longer operation and a longer incision, the, the, those things aren't necessarily more common with a body lift compared to a tummy tuck. And in terms of someone that is coming in to have this operation, is there anything that they have to do before to prepare? This is such a common question. Um, People always want to do the best they can for themselves, uh, either pre-surgery or post-surgery as well. Um, And I'll just briefly mention post-surgery that we have re-care package that all of our surgical patients get. So um, that involves all of the things that we recommend um, pre and post-op in particular involves all their scar management after their surgery. But pre-operatively, there's really really not a lot that patients can specifically do once they're suitable candidates for surgery. Um, Probably the, the commonest thing before coming even for a consult or knowing whether you're the right patient for surgery is to is um, body weight and we, so we do get a lot of questions about you know what what weight should I be at for my um, surgery um, and so these type of surgery procedures are not weight loss procedures so um, patients need to be at or as close as possible to their goal or ideal body weight to be undergoing these sort of surgeries. So if you're significantly overweight, this is not the type of surgery that you should be needing and you should be talking to your GP and discussing ways to get your your body fat and in general percentage down. Um, So these operations really are body contouring and removal of excess skin and so, as I said, not weight reduction procedures. Um, they are 
body contouring and the other thing is smoking so smoking is a 100% a no-no um, for any of these type of procedure, procedures um, massive risks in terms of wound healing is the predominant thing because of blood supply um, but also poorer recovery uh, with breathing risk of chest infection um, poorer uh, the, the way they get through anaesthetic is much worse. So minimum of six weeks prior to surgery um, for no smoking um, and hopefully never smoke ever again after the surgery for a recovery point of view. <laughs> Just back to the point that you were making before, this isn't a weight loss surgery. So how long should someone maintain their ideal weight before they come in? So from a technical point of view, it doesn't make any difference. Once you've lost the weight, the skin's deflated and you can have the surgery. The issues relate more around um, making sure you're going to maintain the weight. So we want to have some confidence that we're not going to do the surgery and then you're suddenly going to put your weight back on. I rarely see that, so I don't see that as a, a major issue. Um, there are other issues around uh, Medicare item numbers and when you qualify for a Medicare item number, which is, is six months. But um, from a technical point of view, uh, it doesn't it doesn't make any any difference. You can have this once you're at your target weight, which is generally we look at a, a body mass index, but there are other techniques that we use as well. And also each individual patient it can be a little bit different, but that's often a good guide and a good starting point to have a BMI below 30. But once you've reached your target weight, then you're good to go. And in terms of... Of obviously there is quite a lot of skin and stuff that is being removed. How much weight is actually taken off during the operation? Yeah, I mean, it can vary from person to person, but I think the most I've ever removed from someone in a body lift would be probably around eight kilos, eight to 10 kilos. So it can be massive. It's, it's wow. interestingly, yeah, wow. Um, interestingly, it's often sometimes more on the, on the back than the front. Sometimes the front isn't quite as bad, but sometimes it's the other way around. But the, the interesting thing for patients is when we remove that tissue, that becomes your weight. So uh, if, you, uh, if you come into the surgery and you weigh 80 kilos and we remove seven kilos, then your new weight is 73 kilos. So if after six months you're back at 80 kilos, you've put on weight and so that can then compromise the result. Um, so it doesn't 100% translate. So, uh, and it's not a, because this is mainly skin. It's not fat. It is skin. It's not, a, as we've, we always say, it's not a weight loss procedure, but which is a bit counterintuitive because you, I'm just saying you actually do lose weight. But the weight that we're talking about. The weight is the skin. When we say you, yeah, when it's the skin. But we're, what we're always talking about, though, is the fat that's inside, inside your, around your organs, so under the muscle. And that's where we can't operate. So if you are still carrying a lot of fat, which is called visceral fat, if you're carrying a lot of fat in that area, we can't tighten the muscles properly. The skin is too tight. We can't remove enough skin. So that's that's generally where the weight needs to come off before you have a procedure like that. I also say to patients, like even though, you know, sometimes as Richard says, if you've removed seven kilos, like don't jump on the scales in the few days after the surgery because there's a lot of fluid shifts and recovering from surgery people often carry quite a bit more fluids so but yeah definitely if you're, you're months after your surgery and the weight's gone back on it's it's not 
Um, it's not from anything we've done. It's because people have actually put on weight. And, and, I, and I think we've both had patients that have had definitely had compromised results by that and they come back months later and they're unhappy. And it's like, well, you know, here's your, your pre-op photo and here's your early post-op and everything's looking good. And then here's months later and you can clearly see on other parts of their body that they've put weight on and they're absolutely going to um, compromise results. So, um, again, it's, it's body contouring surgery. It's not weight loss surgery and it's not going to stop you from putting weight on again in the future if, if you're not conscious of that. Um, Is that people getting really excited with the results and maybe falling out of good habits? Is that generally what that is? Absolutely. And also thinking that having surgery is going to stop them from having issues in the future, which it, it certainly isn't. So, you know, these sort of procedures, I guess, turn back time, but they don't stop time. So whatever happens after that, whether it's, you know, gravity on breasts, it's still going to, it, that'll take time as long as someone doesn't have significant um, weight shifts or significant other things go on with their bodies. But um, it, yeah, it, it's not... It's not a magic wand um, and people still need to maintain their... You can't just keep coming back. Yeah, people still need to maintain their, their fitness and and uh, work on their diet and all those sort of, you know, not fun things that we sometimes think that, you know, that uh, we don't need to keep doing. This seems to be a surgery that you guys have been doing a long time now, but it seems like it's suddenly getting popular or is being known Obviously, there's the hashtag LBL that's going off online. Why is that, Richard? So it, it kind of reflects the increase in the bariatric surgery. So uh, lap lap bands, lap uh, gastric sleeves, lap bypasses, so keyhole surgery to help people lose weight. Um, and so we're seeing patients, and it's been for a while now, we're seeing patients who are not losing 10 kilos, they're losing 40, 50, 60, 100 kilos. And so there's just a lot more loose skin. And as going back to the start of the podcast that Kim was talking about, uh, if you've got that skin that extends beyond your hips, then you're going to need, uh, you're more likely to need a, a lower body lift than a tummy tuck. So, and it's been interesting as well because 20 years ago, before keyhole surgery was popularized and, and became mainstream, all of those surgeries, those surgeries are not new surgeries. The fact that they can be done with keyhole surgery is the new part over the last 15 years. So previously they were done via what's called a laparotomy scar, which was a vertical incision down the middle of the abdomen. And so, so, so the body contouring surgery, because there was a scar there already, surgeons used to do what's called a fleur-de-lis operation. And um, what that is, is where people surgeons cut out the tummy skin but also cut out skin between the the sternum or the the uh, upper part of the abdomen and the pubic uh, the mons area so you end up like with an upside down t so and that made that, that made sense 20 years ago when people already had that scar because you've already got that scar so just replacing that scar with another scar but now that patients are presenting and they don't have that scar, there's, it's really, I find we both try to avoid that scar um, at all costs because it then means you can't uh, show off your, your midriff because you've got a vertical scar there. 
Um, and it can be often a less a poorer quality scar and it can also cause problems with the belly button. There's a role for that procedure, but it, it, its indication as a starting point is pretty uncommon and we would tend to go uh, more for a, a lower body lift or circumferential tummy tuck. Um, for the massive weight loss patients. We do hear about the lower body lift and also the extended tummy tuck, but what's the difference between the two, Kim? So sometimes some of these terms are what people use in marketing really, I guess. So um, the the spectrum of things that people talk about is um, from mini tummy tuck, which really is an operation that isn't a good operation and really has probably a full lower body lift is obviously the operation that goes all the way around. A mini tummy tuck or an incomplete tummy tuck is where really only just a tiny amount of skin is removed from just above the pubic area and nothing's done to the muscles and nothing's done to the belly button and so it doesn't change the skin above the belly button. And so generally what a what Rich and I would call a tummy tuck is probably what a lot of other people would call an extended tummy tuck. So it's the operation that goes from just beyond the hips on each side. Occasionally, I, I would actually, for a patient that doesn't have a heap of um, skin, excess skin above their bottom and has a little bit on their sides but doesn't need a lower body lift, would say, look, I'm going to make your scar go a little bit further around the sides. Um, but really, for, from my point of view, that's still a that's still a tummy tuck and you know if, if someone needs much more than that then they need a lower body lift rather than an extended tummy tuck so i think it's it's just in the terminology and and in terms of the length of the scar and as richard said before like the length of the scar is not it shouldn't be something that people are focused on the length of the scar is it's often geometry so the height of the amount of skin that you want to remove um, mathematically, the width of the scar should be three times that height of skin just to get out all that tissue and not end up with um, dog ears, which are excess skin on the ends of each scar. So if your surgeon's trying to compromise in terms of length of scar, the biggest risk with that is getting what's called dog ears, and that's where there's still skin remaining at the ends of each each end of the scars in the hip area, and that's more skin that potentially needs to be removed as another operation or in the rooms. So I'm guessing this all comes down to consult your surgeon and get the best advice of to whether it's a full body lift or a lower tummy tuck. Would that be the case? I think it is, and it is a judgment thing, but not everyone has a practice that, that offers lower body lifts. So if all you have is a hammer, then all the world's a nail. So that's Kim alluded to before. We do see some patients who've had a tummy tuck and they clearly needed to have a lower body lift. We, we do both. So we would just choose the operation that is the best for that particular patient. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it all comes down to experience and, and seeing people who specialise in this particular area. All right. Well, look, thank you for another episode of Keeping It Real. Anyone that is interested in finding out any more information, please head to replasticsurgery.com.au or, of course, our social media pages to find out more. Thank you, Richard and Kim, for joining us for another episode. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having us, Alex. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Keeping It Real. To keep up with our next episodes, go and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. 
If you have further questions or want to take the next step, visit www.replasticsurgery.com.au or follow Re on social media. 